baby shark. I'm a scat man. Do you know that the Cheshire cat was actually a, had a scat fetish? <laughs> that's actually that's fascinating, but I heard he was into cats. Boo. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> that's all I wrote for today. Uh, <laughs> what if Johnny Depp killed himself after they filmed Alice in Wonderland? <laughs> like what? he was Heath Ledger. <laughs> what? Like, like, he wasn't even acting. He was just on a bunch of behavioral meds. <laughs> he got mercury poison from a vaccine. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Johnny Depp, he's just like, he's, he's an actor, a tortured artist, if you will. Burton's obsession with insisting we show up on time and sober and... That we not bring our model trains on set is simply too overbearing. I mean, uh, I was completely on board when he had us all sleep with his wife as a method acting exercise, but this is just too far. I mean, I met with fucking scissor hands for Christ's sake. So Johnny Hep was Johnny Hep. Johnny Depp. Johnny Hep. <laughs> Johnny Hepatitis C was he's the autistic mad hatter. Uh, welcome back to a Little Sassy Little Disturbed, everybody. I'm Ian, this is Derek, and uh Derek, why are we talking about Mad Happer Mad Hatters? Sorry. <laughs> Well, we're talking about Mad Hatters because uh, on this week's episode, we're going to be covering Lincoln's Avenger. Uh, Marvel's Lincoln's Avengers. The original Civil War. Captain, <laughs> Captain America Lincoln's Avenger. Yeah, it's our very own Mad Hatter, Boston Corbett. Boston Corbett. Now, this is our second history episode, and last week I didn't want to go too deep into the research of those shitty magicians. It was a transition episode for us, so I wanted to keep it light. Yeah, you know, we were transitioning, tugging our dicks between our legs, hopping around. Throwing soap at each other. (laughs) What What does that have to do with anything? So this week, I decided to narrow it down and delve a little deeper, focus on one individual, one particular story, and I wanted to put in a little more effort. Uh, I kind of got in a little too deep. Yeah, well, when you say put in a little more effort, you mean you literally didn't sleep for three days in a row. Well, I haven't done this much research since I went to Libtard University. Yeah, liberal art school. <laughs> Almost 30 years old, and I went to a very expensive university. Yeah, state college. Crazy. State? Oh, like Washington State. Wow. Mm-hmm. I guess so. You blew my mind there. Yeah, crazy. That's why it's so liberal. It's state-funded. The paychecks are coming from Joseph. Yeah, Stalin. Well, I was going to say Biden, but what's the difference? Dark Biden's coming, though. You fuckers will see. Look it up. Do your research. <laughs> the Dark Biden. Dark, the Dark Biden Rises. The Dark <laughs> Biden arc. Yeah. Christopher Nolan's Dark, Bi- Dark <laughs> Biden trilogy. It's a whodunit, but you have to figure it out for yourself. It was, uh, it was the libtards. That's who did it. <laughs> Anyways, I uh, dug into this topic, and it began as a kind of a short study about this guy, and then I just sort of fell headfirst into it. Yeah, just like when your mom dropped you on as a baby. I fell headfirst into a lot of things. I actually read an entire book about Boston Corbett, a rather good book. Yeah. What? I said, yeah, I remember you were reading it on your... Okay. It was a, it was a good book. It's uh, titled The Mad Mad, The Mad Man, The Mad Man. <laughs> the Mad Max and... The, the Mad... <laughs> the Mad Man and the Assassin, The Strange Life of Boston Corbett. The Same man guy, who... actually, The Mad Man and the Assassin, believe it or not. <laughs> no, I think the Assassin was John Wilkes Booth. Um... I bought it on my Kindle. I'm more of a modern man myself, trying to make reading cool again. <sighs> Jesus Christ. It's like they built a virgin in a factory. Well, I, I, I bought it on my Kindle. It's about the Civil War. 
I'm breastfed until I was 26. Okay, well, I'm going to choose not to respond to that. So, Boston Corbett, as you may have gathered, gained his fame for avenging President Lincoln by shooting the assassin John Wilkes Booth in the back of the head. Oh, um, speaking of, I was at the fair on Monday, and uh, I loved the John Wilkes Booth. Okay. <laughs> what, what was that? It was, I don't know. It was kind of a pain in the neck. Okay, well... God, this is... A little gap here as I... Come in my pants. <laughs> We're just going to jump right into it here. Uh, Boston Corbett was born Thomas H. Corbett on January 29th, 1832 in London, England to a taxidermist and a naturalist, Bartholomew Bishop and yeah. his wife, his wife Elizabeth. Yeah, Bart and Beth. Bart and Beth. Okay. <laughs> Barton Beth sucks. All right, Thomas was born in the UK, as any true American patriot is. Yeah, Chris Kyle was actually born in uh, in Essex. I, I don't think that that's true. I, I, in fact, I'm almost positive that Chris Kyle was born and died in the Lord's favorite state, Texas. God damn it. Yeah, well, no, because there's that famous quote from the scene in American Sniper where he's all like, "I think I've got to shoot that little arrow boy because it's Tuesday, isn't it?" <laughs> okay, boy, bruv. <laughs> He's just slamming Heineken's. Uh, Thomas's mother, Elizabeth, died at some point prior to his eighth birthday, and shortly after, the remaining Corbett's immigrated to New York City in early September of 1840, uh, just kind of adding to that influx of immigrants that swelled the population of New York City by about 60% during the 1840s, uh, in part due to the mass departure from Ireland. Because <laughs> of that potato fit. Why are you laughing? Because that's the funniest thing that's happened so far. Starch. Yeah, Irish um, people are so dumb they couldn't figure out how to not over farm their crops. They pulled all the nitrogen out of the soil. Dumb fucks. They deserved it. I think it's a little bit more complicated than it's, that. It simply is not. Anyways, I can see it now. <laughs> you paint quite the picture. Mad Hatter goes to Ellis Island. Actually, I looked that up, and they, uh, his family missed Ellis Island by 52 years. So it officially opened in 1882. Well, that's, like, that's like your opinion. Okay. I think that that's all hearsay, to be is honest. It? You can't. Tr- Here's the thing. You can't trust everything you read on the internet. Well, you can trust everything you hear on Little Sassy Little Disturbed. I said read. That's so. true. We don't know how. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know how to read. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, apparently the Corbett family recurrently. <laughs> God damn you! Don't know how to read. I'm gonna fucking kill myself. Apparently, the Corbett family recurrently moved around New York, partially spurred by Bartholomew's inability to find steady work. My boy Bart. <laughs> yeah. He couldn't find a job because he was a naturalist. So like a fake scientist. He did his own research, and unfortunately, no one wanted to pay him for that. Yeah, and I mean, by own research, it means that he was turning taxidermied animals into fleshlights. <laughs> you can see it, though. He's like he's like walking up to strangers on the street with a stuffed raccoon, and he's like, Excuse me, sir, will you look at this for a second? Can I have your attention? This, this raccoon, you can have sex with it. You can fuck it in any hole. Gather around, everyone. I've got an invention for all of you. Are you tired of your wife being too sick or too dead to have intercourse? Well, have I got the thing for you. You can just grab this little raccoon and you could take it and you could put it in the microwave and heat it up and get it nice and warm and you just you could just put your penis in the teeth in any hole of the raccoons. Gone are the days of fucking live animals where you could potentially lose your manhood or your life, good sir. Could be torn clean off. Everyone knows 
Raccoons are the sexiest of the animal kingdom. The raccoon will never ask you over and over again to take the trash out twice a week. In fact, raccoons love garbage. I call them trash pandas. You could just let the garbage pile up around the living room as you as you fuck the raccoon. They look like tiny train robbers. <laughs> Little bandits. Little bandits. Sir, why are you running away? Sir. Come back. No, come back here. I swear. Look, check it out. It's pretty cool. Ugh. <laughs> do, you, do, you think, do you think the raccoon bit's like a little bit too far? No, I think it's exactly. I think it's exactly what we needed it to be. Mm. You're telling me you wouldn't do it? I wouldn't. Like, pop Davy Crockett's hat off his head, stick <laughs> my dick in it. Yeah, Davy Crockett was wearing raccoon skin hats, and meanwhile, Boston Corbett's dad was busy sticking his dick in them. Not the hat. I mean, he. I don't know. We don't, we don't want to judge him. He's a naturalist. Okay. Well, moving on. Uh, <laughs> during his formative teenage years, you know, puberty and all that. Right. Thomas began apprenticing in millinery. It's my show, I'm Mandy Millinery. It's my show, I'm Schmandy Schmillinary. That's what you're talking about, right? Is that the guy, the guy with that disease? Yeah, the Webster's disease. With the fucking dictionary disease, like he could just define any word that you chucked at him at any point. It's on the spectrum. Is no, that, no, no. <laughs> oh, he had like the he had like, like Gary the, Coleman uh, or whatever. Gary Coleman. Yeah, he like never grew. Oh, so he's like uh, he's <laughs> he like that that Russian dwarf. Yeah, Hasbula. Hasbula. Like Dagamani or whatever. Dagestani. Dagestani, yeah, yeah. A little Muslim dwarf. <laughs> He's just like punching people and shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so what is millinery? Oh well, Ian, thank you for asking and carrying the podcast forward. Uh millinery is the practice of hat making. He became a hatter, and now we're full circle back to the beginning. Yeah. Everything makes sense now. We're not just pulling all this shit out of our asses. All of these jokes are targeted. They are intentional, and we're doing this on purpose. Because deliberate. We, they're deliberate because we are professionals. Isn't that right? Yeah, we actually make money now. This is officially a professional op- opportunity. We have made a money. We have made a money. Shout out Joe Poppy. Now, hat making, to really dumb it down uh, for specifically Joe Poppy, uh <laughs> That consisted essentially of building a hat block, melding animal fur into felt, uh, which was a rather slow process, as I understand it, and then using the hat block to shape the felt hat into hat form. Right. During this time, hat making, which was geographically centered in the New England area, was evolving. As many other industries were, um, this is a consequence of the Industrial Revolution. Yeah, the steam engine. And Mark Wahlberg. Ian paid attention in... Half of a history class in high school. Yeah. And Matt Damon and Ben Affleck were there. They were going, hey, check it out. We got to go to fucking Harvard. Make some fucking hats. <laughs> Get my fucking car and go root for the socks. You a fucking, are you a fucking cop? You queer? <laughs> That's what they say. Do they say queer? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Probably. They probably said the other one too. But. Matt Damon says the F slur. We said the F slur. <laughs> we bought an F slur. <laughs> All right. Well, the introduction of cable machinery sped up. Uh, the formerly time-consuming aspects of hat making, and thus hatters were able to choose one step in the process and specialize in it. Um, with that being said, the young Thomas Corbett he trained and specialized in the finishing of silk hats. Mm. 
finishing. That's important. This is, where, this is really where his uh, his his uh, <laughs> his dark Biden rises. The beginning of his Mad Hatter arc. This is where the Mad Hatter comes in. Yeah. Uh, during the curing of the felt, Hatters would routinely use mercury, thus inhaling and inadvertently ingesting it. Specifically, mercury nitrate to be. Wow. Yeah. Did you do the reading? I did do the reading. Oh my god. But I also knew that prior. Wow. Yeah. I'm a pretty smart guy. You're like Andy Millinery right now. <laughs> I know so many words, and I love trains. We were talking about this earlier, and we were wondering how they ingested it, and you, you kind of had a theory about how they were, because we know how they're inhaling it. Right. right. It's just there. Well, actually, so uh, you were saying that you found that drinking was a common thing in the Hatter industry. Oh, yeah. They were alcoholics. Yeah, like all, of them. all of them. Every yeah. white man in New England was an alcoholic. They still are, actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> history, history repeats its fucking self. History repeats itself because I know that because I went to fucking Harvard. Went to fucking Harvard. Were you like it smart or something? Yeah, I dropped out after like one semester. <laughs> I was fucking my cousin. <laughs> well, anyways, it's like so. If he the, if, was my teacher, <laughs> <laughs> Professor Schlitzley. All right. Anyway, so yeah, uh, in theory, if they were all getting blasted, you know, it's like. Uh, picture it like you're at a party you've had a few few too many and you know you accidentally take a sip out of your friend's cup right you know happens to happens to the best of us uh imagine that except instead of your friend's cup it's just a big ass glass of mercury nitrate you just you're at the bar with your buddies and you, you accidentally smash a thermometer and drain it <laughs> you're just like tastes like metal tastes like 69 fahrenheit <laughs> Oh, now, God. Mer- Mercury's a dangerous metal. And Just this- like Metallica and, and Megadeth. You want to keep your kids away from Metallica, Megadeth, and Mercury. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this everyday exposure to it inescapably engendered mercury poisoning. Yeah, well, and also... Um, wait. In- engendered? Foment. Foment? It's my show, I'm Andy Millinery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just I'll- means to cre- it causes. Why don't... Why don't you? Why didn't you just say that? Well, it sounds more professional when I say engender. Okay, well you know I'm stupid. Well, so. you just learned a new word. I, you I learned, learned two, two new words. New words, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, mercury. Mercury is a metal that turns to uh, vapor at room temperature. <laughs> I usually only teach you slurs. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So. Mercury's a mercury's a metal that te- uh, turns to vapor at room temperature. So they were just fucking huffing it so constantly. Mercury's a metal that teaches you slurs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. It, yeah. You're right. It, it, they were just exposed or exposed to it every day. They were inhaling it. The mercury would easily pass through the membranes in their lungs and into their bloodstream. Yep, that's how it gets metabolized. It goes to your brain. Yep. Yeah. Now let's talk about mercury poisoning just a little bit here. Mercury is actually a neurotoxin, so it damages the nervous system and can easily lead to hallucination and psychosis. What else can easily lead to that, Ian? Hanging out with you for an extended period of time. Very good. Now, Ian, would you read me these symptoms of mercury poisoning that I found on Medical News Today, the website? Is that... Is that a trusted source? It has a doctor. Does, does Alex Jones approve of it? Yeah. Uh, the veterinarian that is his doctor says that it's good. <laughs> okay, cool. Good to know. Because he's got that dog in him. <clears throat> An excerpt from <laughs> themedicalnewstoday.org. Mm. Early symptoms of mercury poisoning may include a rash, skin itchiness, <laughs> muscle pain, a metallic taste in the mouth, sores or inflammation in the mouth, vomiting, stomach pain, diarrhea, sleep disturbances, and a wet cough. You sound like an upset stepdad. Prolonged exposure. I was trying. I was trying to sound like a uh, like a like a. If you were a loved one, had been diagnosed with mesothelioma. <laughs> okay. 
All right. Well, so if you were a loved one, were exposed to mercury for prolonged periods of time. Yeah. If you were a hatter in the in the mid nineteenth century, <laughs> yeah. you may be. If you and your child labor sons, <laughs> you may be entitled to financial compensation from Tim Burton. So this prolonged exposure to mercury and the subsequent mercury poisoning, which is what would happen to hatters, this would lead to chronic mercury poisoning. I think we have some yeah, symptoms dude. for that, too. It's chronic. chronic. Hell yeah, dude. This would lead to Dr. Dre's the mercury poisoning. <laughs> Damn it. Okay, you know what? Later symptoms of mercury poisoning may include irritability and a lack of patience, shyness, and the desire to avoid people, anxiety, insomnia, a tremor that begins in the hands and affects the face and head, trouble thinking or concentrating, memory loss, and changes in the movement, which may become coarse or jerky. Pretty sure. My favorite kind is turkey jerky. I'm pretty sure you just described Adam Lanza. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Well, yeah, if I hope Boston I'm, I hope I'm off the Sandy Hook for that joke. <laughs> okay, let's now these behaviors which Ian is exhibiting right now stemmed from chronic mercury poisoning. <laughs> this became relatively common among hatters, and thus the term "mad as a hatter" was vernacular by 1837. Right, because the Mad Hatter from Alice in Wonderland actually shows symptoms of chronic mercury poisoning. You really did do the reading this week. I just told you I I'm don't know how to read. So proud of you. I, did you? Did I? You just like had someone read it to you, like your brother? No, I went to the library. <laughs> you paid the slow kid next door to read you. <laughs> Due to Thomas Corbett's later unsettling, erratic, and occasionally self-mutilating behavior, which we're gonna get to in a bit, um, a lot of these actions are credited by many historians to mercury poisoning from his time as a hatter. Mm. Indubitably. What does that mean? Like, like, yeah, it's like an, it's like an affirmation. It's my show. I'm Andy Millinery. Uh, so it's like an affirmation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, it's like undoubtedly. Now that Corbett had his career sometime in the early 1850s when he was around 20 years old, it was time to do what every good American man has to do. Find himself a good American wife. Yeah. We've all been there. We've all been there. Yeah, well, half of us have been there. 50% of us have been there. We're the 50 percenters. <laughs> Wait, which, which one of us is the 50 percenters? Whichever one's half. Corbett married one Susan Rebecca, whose last name is unknown, but I think we can assume it's Corbett. Yeah, and it doesn't really matter. She ended up, back then, she was just his property anyways. So. I refuse to believe that anybody was in love before, like, 1975. I still don't think anybody's been in love. I've seen one or two. Were you in love? Moving on. <laughs> uh, Susan Rebecca was actually 13 years his senior, and shortly after, he became a U.S. citizen. Thomas, you're just, like, you're just, like, so mature for your age. Like... You're like nothing like any of the other any of the other younger guys I know. Like you're the smartest boy in my class. <laughs> she says as his teacher. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think uh, I'm starting to think that Susan Rebecca may have gotten the Mad Hatter discount from our old buddy Jeff Jeff Epstein. Mm, shout out! Shout out to Jeff Stein. I hope he's doing all right. Do you know where he is? Uh, I think he's at Island Three now. Mm. Island Three. The the second sequel. Yeah, we call it a island. We call it a Epstein Island Tokyo Drift. Goddamn good salad bar. Okay. Um, now this newlywed couple moved to Richmond, Virginia, where an already kooky, a little bit crazy Corbett had a hard time fitting in, primarily due to his staunch support of abolitionism 
And in case no one listening is a Andy Millinery, <laughs> abolitionism uh, or just he was anti-slavery. Yeah. He wasn't a fan. Yeah, yeah, his neighbors were probably like, I, I can handle him being a goddamn weirdo, but I draw the line at freeing my slaves. <laughs> Your Honor, I am but a simple southern lawyer. He can drink mercury nitrate all he like, but he will not have my slaves. I do declare. <laughs> Every morning, Corbett comes into here and he has sex with a decapitated chicken. And we thought that was just fine. As a man, being a man, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But as soon as he implied that we should free our Negro slaves, that I cannot abide. Well, I don't think that Negro was the word they would have used, but I, I agree with the sentiment of what you're saying. Now, if you'll excuse me, my wife is not going to beat herself, I say, I say. <laughs> I do declare. Georgia, you get it, your ass in here, huh? Is that how they talk? I don't... Sure. Is Who it... cares? They're, they're dead. That's fair. It was in Richmond that Susan fell very ill. Wow. She was pregnant with their first child. She was like, Thomas, I don't feel good. I think I have to go to the hospital on a on a boat. She, as some would say, was down with the sickness. Oh, <coughs> uh, So Corbett opted to return to New York with his sick pregnant wife. However, on August 18th, 1856, Susan died in transit aboard the ship. And of course... The child didn't make it. Ruby Wade, I thought that was about water sports. Truly. R.I.P. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Ruth Conda forever. Ruth <laughs> Now, this is where most people, most, most people, most historians would say, things began to go downhill for our friend Thomas Corbett. But we here at Little Sassy, Little Disturbed... Trademark. <clears throat> pending. Now, we think... That this is where the fun really begins. Oh, yeah. Oh, ah. get up, oh. Come on, get down with this Mad Hatter sickness. Fuck, that was a stretch. All right. Well, following the death of his wife and child, Corbett spiraled into alcoholism. Yeah, he went on a real uh, John Bender. Several John Benders, in fact. He became a regular old Barney Gumble. Oh. Is that, is that, the, is that the drunk from The Simpsons? Uh, yes. Is that is that still a relevant joke? I think like three people that listen to this will get that. They're yeah. like, huh. I think The Simpsons is making a comeback. All right, cool. Okay. During one such drinking bout, Corbett became acquainted with the worst Christians of all. Your parents? Uh, so he actually became a temperance Christian. Is that like the uh, the Sean Paul song from the early two thousands? Well, I'm on the way to Tom, girl, I want to be keeping you on. I got the right temperance to shelter you from the storm. And girl, I want to be the papa, you can be the mom. Oh, oh. Right? Uh, no, they just didn't drink. And that's a club song, so. Oh, pretty sure Sean Paul was. Yeah, you're sober. Okay. Yeah, I'm sober. Uh, Corbin's. Corbin. Corbin. So being sober and Christian was now the second most annoying thing about this guy? Indubitably. <laughs> what does that mean? Not sure. I don't have the anti-millinary disease. Uh, Corbett's religious epiphany was just one of many in the midst of the third great awakening that swept across the nation. Mm-hmm. Whole lot of fire and brimstone. Just Whole about lot of it. only fire and brimstone. Wasn't brain. there... Well, that was like... Um, yeah. The third great awakening. So what was the first one? Like the, 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 the pilgrims? 
No, this is this is way past the pilgrims. No, the, I'm saying you said it was the third great awakening. Yeah, the three great awakenings are, are specific periods of revival in the new <clears throat> new nation of the United States, and I'm talking tents. I'm talking preachers walking around like stand-up comedians with flyers, handing them out, getting all these people to come to the show where they go, and the Lord Jesus said that you are a sinner. So they're just... You have sin in your heart. They're carnies but hateful. <laughs> if you cannot throw the ball through the loop, you will burn forever in the bad place. Downstairs with Stan... Li- Satan, sorry. Stan <laughs> stairs. Uh, now I'm going to go ahead and pass around this coffer, and if you don't put ten dollars of your parents' money in there, God will get... know that you masturbate to your stepsister. I say, God will never put the Fortnite skin back on the marketplace <laughs> that you want unless you give us ten dollars. <laughs> and forever, your existence will be mid. <laughs> you will never catch that dub. <laughs> I hope the kids. Uh, the is, this, listeners. is this what the kids like? Do they like, still like Fortnite? Was that good? Was that was that pertinent? Corbett, uh, being in New York, he in fact resided very near to what is commonly referred to as the Burned Over District in upstate New York, on account of the large number of evangelists. Evangelists. Evangelist? Yeah, I fucked Neon that, up. Genesis I fucked that up so many times in a row. Yeah, it's on, fine. On the account of the large number of evangelists that emerged from that specific neighborhood, so it's not surprising that he ran into a few religious folks while drunkenly stumbling through the city's streets. Yeah, in New York, shocker. So you're drunk, Corbett, and I'm saying, "Hello, sir. Have you heard the good news of Jesus Christ?" <laughs> Who's this guy? Who's that guy? Who is he? I don't know him. Sir, what? Stop! Stop playing with my shirt. <coughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> okay. So that tickles. I appreciate it if you keep your hands to yourself. You're kind. Of, you're pretty. Okay. Well, I appreciate the. You want to come home with me? I got a raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that would be proper, sir. <sighs> so, so it actually went better than that for for the for, for those who weren't there. So, Corbett actually converted. He didn't take the man home and show him his pocket pussy raccoon. That raccoon, if you will. Oh, raccoon? Yeah. Oh, fuck. New Neopet just dropped. <laughs> uh, so, following his conversion, Corbett relocated to Boston, and when he wasn't inhaling mercury while making hats, he became a street preacher who proselytized to any who had the misfortune of getting close enough to him. Yeah, just one of those assholes outside of any fucking fun thing, sporting event, concert, with a big sign that says, God hates you. Yes, yes, of course. Not only uh, did Corbett berate the ears of passerbyers with condemnations of sin, uh, the occasional God hates fags. He also harped on the evils of drinking. What, like, what do you, my, what do you, what do you, my sponsor? <laughs> Imagine Corbett as your sponsor. How was your week? I, I don't know, man. I, uh, I'll be honest with you. I had a really rough day at work. Yeah. My wife was nagging me. God is good. I agree, but you know, I just every time something goes wrong, I just immediately think, you know. You know who never nags you? Who? A stuffed raccoon. <laughs> Boston, I'm, I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to open up to you, man. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not, sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, just my uh, my wife. I just every everything that goes wrong with me. I just I keep thinking about picking up the bottle. Oh no! <laughs> if you if you. Uh. 
I can't do the Boston this week. No, I know. I'm I'm pretty good at it. Anyway, yeah. I think we should leave that in though. Let's yeah, I like it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was a good it was a good exercise. Yeah, thank you. While anyway. Cor- while Corbett had reformed his sinful alcoholic ways, he remained a horny little fuck with a super dead wife. Now, I did the Corbett voice, and I believe Ian may have did it earlier, but he's been practicing this, and um, I think that Ian can give us a good example here of Corbett struggling with his, uh, let's say, sexual urges. Mm. He's warming up. Uh, yeah, this is uh, this is my impression of Boston Corbett. Horny Boston Corbett. Horny Boston Corbett. Oh my god. I'm so... I wanna fuck. I'm so horny. My balls... They're... They're bluer than the ocean. I wanna... I wanna fuck. I wanna fuck. I wanna... I wanna fuck something. I wanna fuck someone. The raccoon's not doing it anymore. It's so sticky. I wanna fuck. I wanna fuck. I wanna fuck. I, I wanna fuck. I gotta... I gotta do something. My hands... They're, they're not tender anymore. <laughs> it's like sandpaper. My, 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 my wife is dead, and I don't want to remarry. De- dead! I only want sex! 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 Click click here and say my mercury poisoned p- penis. Oh, my God. I'm going to come. The t- temperature's rising. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right, well, in the midst of these temptations... I believe that Corbett may have found his answer within a combination of Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 30 in the Good Lord's Book, and also Matthew chapter 19, verse 12. Now, Ian is going to read, uh, not Ian, Boston Corbett is going to read us. Happy to be here. Thank you, Boston. Good to have you. Good to be here. Okay. Thank you. Boston, would you read us uh, Matthew 5, 27 through 30? Yeah, gladly. You heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown in hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go to hell. So true, Corbett. Um... I know! I was there! Uh, Corbett, Corbett? Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Did you go outside for a second? Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> God, I'm so glad you asked me to do that. Sorry, folks. I'm going to have to call him back in in a second. Though. It's okay. Corbett felt that he was able to control his hands and his eyes just fine, but his true struggle was with his libido. So we're going to call Corbett back in here, and we're going to have him read uh, Matthew 19.12. Okay, Corbett. Corbett. Corbett! Corbett, put the rabbit down! Uh, it's so fluffy. Yep, it's a rabbit, Corbett. Would you read this uh, Matthew 19.12 for us? Sure! Put, for the, there. put the rabbit outside. Okay. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it down. Yeah, you should. For there are some eunuchs which were so born from their mother's womb, and there are some eunuchs which were made from eunuchs of men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. That he is able, he that is able to receive it, let him receive it. Very good. Um, so this biblical justification, Corbett, where are you going? Okay, he's leaving. Anyway, this biblical justification is interesting to me because I fondly remember a verse about eunuchs not going to heaven, and that was I looked it up. It's Deuteronomy twenty three one. Are you familiar with this one, Ian? Yeah, Deuteronomy is like um, it's, it's the study of dudes. 
It's my show, I'm Andy Millinery. <laughs> All right, Deuteronomy 23.1 is, uh, no one whose testicles are crushed or whose male organ is sliced off shall enter the assembly of the Lord. Now, the assembly of the Lord is heaven, so this is basically saying... You have to have both your balls to get in. Yes. So you get to heaven, you, you got to have a full set. Uh, Willie and the poor boys have to be assembled. <laughs> that's, actually, that's actually what Joe calls his dick and balls. Who's Joe? Joe Mama. Okay. Ow! So on the night of July 16th, 1858, Corbett was walking home after presumably another night of street preaching. Yeah, you mean just like standing on the corner yelling at strangers? That's exactly what yeah. I mean. I like chainsaws. <laughs> okay. I have a steel chainsaw. This beer's really good. Hey, Allison, you're really hot. <laughs> you want to come back to my camp and fuck? Okay. So Corbett was walking home that night, and he was propositioned by a couple of women of the night. Now, Corbett was able to avoid the temptation of having a really fucking good time like a normal person, <laughs> uh, but he vowed to never find himself in such a precarious position of temptation again. Yeah. When he arrived home, he proceeded to perform what's called a... Uh, Amateur surgery. Yeah. Namely, he castrated himself with a pair of scissors he had lying around. Now, Ian, would you read this quote from Madman and Assassin? Oh, wait, you know I can't read. Ian, will you pretend to read this excerpt mm -hmm. from The Madman and the Assassin? Yeah. Corbett took a pair of scissors, sliced open the bottom of his scrotum, pulled the testicles downward, and then cut them free. The procedure must have been incredibly painful, but Corbett handled it with remarkable stoicism. Like a fucking hangnail. Yeah. Okay. Like, like, no, like he's giving himself a haircut. Oh, he's like a, he's just a, a manic chick doing her bangs. Oh my God. <laughs> She's like, my, my boyfriend broke up with me and I need something to give me attention. So I'm going to cut my nuts off. My wife is dead. I'm going to cut off my balls. Yeah. What a guy. There's actually a record of this from the Massachusetts General Hospital that, you know, tells us what Corbett did after slicing his balls off. And Ian, would you give that to us a little bit of New England style? Yeah, this is, so this is from the <laughs> clam chowder from the Boston, <laughs> Massachusetts General Hospital. He went to a fucking prayer meeting, walked around some, ate a hearty dinner, but the wound was heavily clotted and the blood and fluids backed up to his scrot, which swelled enormously. And it was black. He's sitting there eating his fucking clam chowder, right? Clam chowder. <laughs> eating a hoagie. He's watching the pets. Go socks. Go socks. Stop bears. <laughs> that's, that's Chicago. Anyway. Okay. Apparently, Corbett went back home uh, just fine, but someone that he'd been around that night, uh, the one logical person, I suppose, called a doctor who arrived and drained Corbett's ball sack. Now, I'm sitting here thinking <laughs> that the prostitutes probably could have drained his balls and <laughs> saved him a lot of trouble, if we're being honest. Uh, 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 uh. Give him that gluck gluck 9,000. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, suck his dick. I get it. That's the joke? Yeah, slap he's getting a blowjob from the like sex corn workers. On the cob. Late in my bed. So he's getting a blowjob from sex workers instead yeah. of a doctor who's who's rubber, actually performing a medical procedure. Rubber glove in it. I just imagine him <laughs> the, the doctor gets to his house. He's like, Well, what do what do we have here, Mr. Corbin? He's like, You're never gonna believe what I did. <laughs> I've had a revelation. <laughs> God is good. God is good. <laughs> Uh, Let's go ahead and see that scrote. Uh, so, as is expected, uh, Corbett's self-castration led to numerous other medical issues, including intestinal complications, which doctors treated with an enema. Yeah, his doctor was like, hey, I know how you cut your balls open, but I'm going to stick this tube up your ass and pour water down it. I regret nothing. <laughs> so after it was healed... Uh, <laughs> 
He's like, at least I didn't have sex. <laughs> yeah, he just, you know, he did get his G-spot touched by a, by a bottle of Dasani. Mm. Okay. So, after he healed, though, Corbett really did regret nothing. And, in fact, a friend quoted him as saying that, uh, which, first of all, is difficult for me to believe he had friends. But this friend quoted him as saying his purpose was to remove the torment of his passions in order to better preach the gospel. And I think that we can all safely agree our little Mad Hatter succeeded. Okay. Now, things are about to get serious for the religious Boston Corbett. Uh, the very next more. Ave Marie! That's, that's serious, right? The very next month, on, <laughs> on, on August 29, 1858, Corbett was baptized into his new faith. Now, believing himself born again and that he was following the tradition set by the apostles before him... He christened himself Boston. Boom. Is this what you sick Boom. fucks have been waiting for? Boston. Big reveal. Bean Town. Baby. Big reveal. Dirty Go water. Socks. Dirty water. Go socks. Dirty water. It's polluted. The bears. Don't drink it. That's again, that's not. <laughs> Corbett took this transition very seriously, uh, became a little obsessed, let's say, and he began altering his appearance to resemble that of popular depictions of Jesus Christ. Are you familiar? Who? Parted dark black hair down the middle. Admittedly awkward looking facial hair. Boston was a changed man. And it was rather odd at this time for a man to have his hair parted down the middle, I believe. But he became an even more adamant street preacher. A good Samaritan, albeit a very fucking annoying one. Yeah. He, he took care of those he needed, homeless people. But he was always quick to lecture them. He uh, lost a lot of jobs. Did you know that? Well, yeah, he was really fucking annoying at work. Yeah, he was a judgmental little bitch. Like, if someone in the workplace swore, he would literally stop working to kneel down and pray for forgiveness. And he, he would just yell, you shouldn't swear! So you just imagine, like, you're getting hammered at work. You're making a fucking hat. You want to kill yourself. Your wife's a bitch. And you just yell, fuck, when you mess something wrong! up. Wrong! <laughs> it's wrong! You shouldn't swear! Prostrate yourself! Prostrate yourself! Prostate. I'm Dr. Rock, so I do cocaine. <laughs> is that is that all this was? Uh, it's an in, it's an interpretation. This newfound pious lifestyle, however, would be interrupted by the winds of change in an ideologically torn country. What's what's pious mean? Faithful. Just say that. Pious is a good word. Well, like. It's my show, I'm Andy Millinery. All right. Well, anyways. Yeah. Um, anyway, when you, it's important to note that when you say ideologically torn, uh, it meant that one side thought you should be able to own human beings and the other didn't. Oh, yeah. It was quite nuanced, I believe, at the yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Now, I think, when did he cut his balls off? Is that 1859? Something like that. 1858. So very shortly after that, in uh, 1860... Uh, a lawyer from LaRue County, Kentucky, was elected as the 16th president of the United States, and you may know him as that top hat wearing... Mr. Peanut! Clo <laughs> Closeted gay man, Abraham Lincoln. Yes, wait, that's Mr. Peanut's name? 
Uh, yes, Mr. Yes, Ian. Very mm. good. Now, Abraham Lincoln's election is seen by many historians as the final crack which shattered the Union, as slave states believed that Lincoln would soon take away their supposed right to own people. Yeah, and a lot of people thought that Reagan's uh, presidency was going to be the final crack cocaine. Okay. Anyway. Well, these southern states uh, began to secede from the Union, starting with South Carolina. And there's some other issues in between here that we're going to cover next week. But on April 12, 1861, the United States went to war against itself. The shot heard around the world, baby. That's the Revolutionary War. You can't prove that. <laughs> no one knows who did it. All right. So right. The, the nation's capital, Washington, D.C., for those that don't know how to read, like Ian, this... The capital lies in between Maryland and Virginia, which are both slave states at this time. Yeah, they called it Virgin Land. They called it Virgin Land. That's very good, Ian. You, you did the reading. No, I didn't. I can't read. Virgin Land's Ordinance of Secession was ratified in May of 1861, and it had already joined the Confederacy earlier that same month. So, while Maryland never seceded, it was a slave-owning state, and many of its citizens sympathized with the Confederacy. So, basically, as the gears of war began turning... Uh, Tons of people, northern supporters, began fleeing Maryland, uh, specifically Washington, D.C., and the federal government began hurriedly preparing for the defense of Washington, and thus the president's house, mm -hmm. um, due to the fact that they were worried about the Confederacy invading. Yeah. So, a large part of this preparation was mustering of troops. What are, the, what are their troops, hot dogs? Is this is it because it's mustering? It sounds like mustard. Is that the joke? Uh, yeah, yeah. These are the jokes, people. Okay. Well, a sick. <laughs> okay. Fuck. Your your ignorance is destroying me. You know what they say? Ignorance is jizz. No one's ever said that. I just did. You're the first person that's ever said that. You know what? Are you they? Am I they? Um, maybe. Check it out. Blue hair. <laughs> A significant amount of these troops came from New York, where our recently castrated Mad Hatter street preacher was currently employed by a man named James Brown. Wow! I feel good! I knew that I would know. Right? That guy? Very good. Yeah. That is him. Got to get ready for the big payback. The big payback! Do you know any other songs? It's a man's world. Now that's good. Can you do a It's a Mad Hatter's World? It's a Mad Hatter's World. <laughs> that's amazing. Okay. Oh, I hated you earlier, but now we're back. All right. Now, Corbett's boss, James Brown, was a reserve member of New York's 12th Regiment. And when the mustarding... Fuck you. You ruined my fucking brain. You've fucking destroyed me. This podcast is killing me. Catch up. Brown... Oh, okay. It's a man's world. Brown was a reserve member of New York's 12th Regiment, and when the mustering began, he was in line for service time. Mm -hmm. However, Brown was getting older. His health was poor, probably due to the mercury and drinking, and he had a no, business to no. worry about. You don't think those were factors? Okay. Well, with these factors in mind, uh, Brown approached his eccentric employee, Corbett, who, as we know, was an outspoken opponent of slavery, mm -hmm. and asked him to serve in his stead, perhaps for a cash incentive. And I like to think it went a little something like this. <laughs> Scene. New York, 1861. Hey, uh, Corbett. Uh, what you up to later uh, for, like, the next few months? Um, I was just going to go home and fuck this raccoon. Wow, Corbett, that is terrific. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. You oh, come? man, that's you terrific. Come? No, I'm good, you strange, strange little man. 
I know you like uh, yelling at strangers. Yeah, a lot. Well, how about instead of that? Okay. <laughs> what? What do I do? How would you like to serve our country in my stead? What's in it for me? Uh, honor. Okay. I will give you seven dollars. Uh, can I bring my raccoon? Corbett, I don't give a flying fuck what you bring. <laughs> Get out of my office. Get out of this workplace. Uh, where do I go? Where do I go? <laughs> to <Where> war! <laughs> oh, I great. can't think of a better place for a ballless religious zealot than the battlefield. He's trying to war. Yeah. Um, God. I did find a uh, an initial impression of Corbett from uh, one of his superior officers. And Ian, would you like to read that? Yeah, he uh, he had a round, pleasant face and an abundance of long black hair parted in the middle so that he resembled a woman. I think it's safe to say that it'd be difficult to tell Corbett apart from a woman while you were in a dark foxhole. You know, sometimes you, uh, you're you in your bunk with your platoon mates mm-hmm. and you, uh, you know, you feeling a little, little, little horny. Putting the head in jarhead. Hey. <laughs> anyway. The hurt locker is actually my asshole. Call it the squirt locker. <laughs> okay. Anyways, well, it was soon evident. Uh, so, you know, Corbett Mustard, he showed up. He shipped off. Wait, so it is mustard. No, I said mustard. Okay, fuck. <laughs> I, I dislike you as a person. It was soon evident that nearly every day Corbett did something odd which sent him apart from his compatriots, meaning he continued to critique people when they swore and uh, Wrong! did that. Wrong! You can't swear. And would carry a little Bible around with him. Did, yeah? Okay. I don't see. Doesn't everyone do that? I used to. Yeah? When I was, before I quit religion, <laughs> I had a Bible with me all the time. I used to collect little ones. Did you put your two weeks in? <laughs> no, I, I said no call, no show. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. See, now you can't use them as a reference. No, that's okay. I don't uh, <laughs> what'd you do with all the Bibles? Oh, I still have most of them. I, I throw them at homeless people when they get too close to my oh, car. Oh, yeah, that's a great, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah, naturally. So Corbett actually uh, continued this, and he uh, did it a couple times to a superior officer, which they don't like that because they want to call you a maggot, and they want to yell at you and demean you, but if you say something like, you, you, you can't swear. They take that uh, a little bit personally. Mm. And so a couple times he actually ended up in the stockade. The slammer. And from behind with that long black hair, you can only imagine. Right. So Corbett originally had agreed, uh, I believe, to a stint of three months. But after that, he liked it so much, uh, possibly because it was nice to have friends. <laughs> Wait, he, he, he did more t- jail time? No, uh, military time. Oh, so yes. Okay. He re-upped three times, I believe, in total. Huh. And so he re-upped, and I believe it was around the second time that he was actually captured by Confederate troops and was taken to Andersonville Prison. Andersonville Prison. Yeah, America's widow Auschwitz. Well, it wasn't quite Auschwitz, but uh, it was notoriously the worst Civil War prison. Um, we'll get into Anderson a little bit. Uh, it was built to hold, I believe it was in Virginia, and it was built to hold... No, it wasn't in Virginia. It was in Georgia. Virgin land. It was in, it was in Georgia. Georgia. It was in Georgia. Made in Georgia. Andersonville prison. Made in a Georgia. This Georgia heat is so weltering. I do believe I have a touch of the vapors down here in the Anderson. I went to vapors. Andersonville prison and all I got was a touch of the vapors. <laughs> 
So Andersonville was actually built to hold 10,000 prisoners, but it sometimes held up to 40,000. Jesus Christ. Now, you're talking about a, a big square Lincoln log wall. <laughs> with hey, no, it was, uh, it was Lee logs. General Lee logs. <laughs> it was be Jefferson Davis. Oh, yeah, yeah, Jefferson. It was Davis logs, Davis not logs, Lincoln logs. Davis log fort. And uh, they didn't really finish building anything inside for the prisoners to... Right. Hide from the elements. And so a lot of bad stuff happened. I mean, these guys suffered from malnutrition, exposure, malaria, scurvy, smallpox, pneumonia, dysentery, Gary, influenza. I mean, she's a dove. She's a fucking nightmare. Unpredictable. It's my mistake to stay here. I'm going to have to cut that out. It's fine. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I like the first. Well, you should leave it where he says, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a fucking nightmare. It was my mistake to stay. You can leave two lines. Okay. Uh, I'm going to get some water. Okay. We'll take a little break. Ba-da-ba-ba-bop. And that's when I realized it was a dude. <laughs> We've all been there, brother. Yeah, We've all been there. So we were talking about Andersonville Prison before we took a little yeah, water Anderson break. Cooper. Anderson Cooperville Prison. Yep. 360. Anderson we were talking about Andersonville Prison in Georgia, the, the most notorious and uh, apparently the worst, uh, as Ian coined it, America's Whittle Auschwitz. <laughs> I did. Yeah. So let's just go over the death rates here. So I told you that it's, it was built to hold up to 10,000 prisoners, and I'm talking like a big open field mm-hmm. with uh, on well, there's a, basically a stream running through it, and this stream was used for fresh water and sewer. So Were they drinking up? Stream from the sewer? Well, I, I think that the guys that got malaria, dysentery, and influenza may have been. Uh, so, we're talking about a death rate of 45%, uh, which is remarkably high. You're talking that's, just, that's just efficient for prisoner storage, I think, because think about how, mm-hmm. many re- how, how much less resources it takes to, uh, you know, if your prison capacity is only ever at 60%. Yeah. Think about how many resources. Good turnaround rate. Yeah, yeah. Really good. I mean, talking thirteen thousand total deaths, and it was only open for I think like a year. Well, yeah. Well, forty five percent of prisoners are not re- repeat offenders. That's true. I mean, we don't know how many of those Union soldiers could have been pedophiles. That's just true rehabilitation in my eyes. There's, I mean, at least two of those thirteen thousand probably were sexual offenders. Oh, one thousand percent. It was eighteen sixty five. Yeah, they probably like moved on from the raccoons to little boys. Yeah. Okay. The natural well, progression. I mean, we're talking about like from August to October alone, five thousand people died. So, not a great turnaround there. And actually, the funniest thing about it is that, that the camp, uh, the word isn't warden, but the guy that orchestrated the camp, the guy they put in charge of it, was actually... Uh, it wouldn't be warden? No, there's a different word for it. Well, he's not a warden. It's not a prison. What it's is it? It's a POW it? camp. What does POW stand for? <clears throat> Persons of War. <laughs> It's my show, I'm Andy Millinery. So he's like a purveyor? Yeah. Yeah, so... um, The head coach. He's the head coach of the prison camp. And he's a... Uh, let's just say he may be of Germanic descent. Mm. And he may not be a U.S. citizen. And he may have moved here. And he may speak German. Dr. Joseph Mengele. Well, yeah, it's pretty bad. Or Goebbels. Goebbels? Who was Mengele? Were Goebbels and Mengele both the Nazi doctors? No. One of them was a doctor and the other one was the... Uh, like the head of propaganda. Mm. Mm. So the guy that ran this camp was actually from Switzerland. He spoke uh, 
<laughs> Swiss German. A kind of German, yeah. His name was Henry Wurst. Henry Wurst. Henry Wurst. You know, he was just like, 45,000% death rate is just efficient. Efficiency is key. Yeah, if there's something the people who speak German know best, it's extermination. This camp will be the best camp. This side of the Mississippi. We're going to place all, all of our concentration into this camp. <laughs> okay. Well, Corbett suffered immensely here. He probably yeah. caught just about every disease. Uh, he lived on the ground with his shirt as sort of a tent that he attached to a stick <laughs> in the ground. He basically made a bindle tent. Yeah, and he quite literally had bloody diarrhea for years bloody yeah, that, flux that was just cowboy times if your shit don't come out red you should see a doctor yeah you get the leeches exactly my name is henry verse and i make everyone here shit the red the real red baron <laughs> making you poo poo the blood blood anyway so Every poo-poo time is a blood-blood time, but not every blood-blood time is a poo-poo time. That's true. I always say that. So this camp, on the outskirts of the walls, they had a little area. A little area? A marked-off area about, I think it was like 10 yards from the fence. And if you crossed it, it's it was called the deadline. And they would shoot you. And they actually shot like a ton of people. They didn't want, they didn't want them getting close to the fence. Why? So, well, they don't want the prisoners getting close to the fence. They didn't want them to try to climb it or overwhelm it. They shot them to death. I'll be honest with you. If my my chances or if my choices were between being in this POW camp before like war, like rules for war existed, and getting shot and dying reasonably quickly for the time, oh yeah, I'm getting shot big time. Efficiency. Yeah, they had rules for war. They just didn't have the they didn't Geneva, the Geneva Convention. conventions. That's yeah. well, yeah, but so they could do whatever they wanted to you essentially. No, they they was a. The Union camps were much nicer, and there right, but there was like a belief. Camp. Well, there was a thing. So the Confederate government or military essentially said that if they found any black or uh, yeah any black Union soldiers that they captured, they hung them just immediately. That was like what that was like a thing, yeah. And so President Abraham Lincoln actually said. That for every single one of them that they hung, they would kill a Confederate uh, POW. Did but they? they no, they didn't. Mm. They didn't do it. But I guarantee you, the Southerners hung the black guys that they caught. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. So Corbett suffered from a lot of diseases. He got bloody flux. Uh, he got dysentery. He was emaciated. He looked not his best. Yeah. Um, but I imagine it really fit into the Mad Hatter aspect. He was annoying there, too. He led prayer meetings. He was constantly yelling at people about swearing in a fucking uh, concentration camp. Uh, he's, just, a f he's a five, but he constantly berates you with religious nonsense and was a prisoner of war and was super emaciated. And, uh, it's emaciated. Oh, what's emaciated? That's it's not a word. word. Yeah, it is. No, you just made it up. Anyway. It's mushroom. <laughs> Sick callback. Yeah, thank you. So he actually tried to escape once, and I love this story. It's a little fun little anecdote to add here. He escaped, um, I believe he was on uh, like detail for gathering firewood, and he mm. ran away, and he was so small and destroyed. Uh, he, he said that God told him to run. 
And he, uh, in fact, you'll find that it's a constant reoccurring theme with him. His Almost, religious mission. Yeah, whenever he does something, it's it's a it's a commandment from God. Like, yeah. God told me to shoot John Wilkes Booth in the back of the head. But so he escaped. Spoilers. I know, I know. Well, we talked about the beginning. I don't think we did, but whatever. Okay. That's uh, a good opinion. A redneck 55-year-old man just went by on an electric scooter with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. These are the jokes, people. It's not a joke. It's an observation. So anyway, so he escaped, and he he ran away, and they were calling for him for a while, and he fucking curled up in a hole in the ground. And so they walked over him a couple times. They didn't see him because he was so small and everything. And then they just went and got the dogs, and the dogs just like walked right up to him, and they were like, yeah, he's like right here. <laughs> they were like, you guys couldn't find this guy? Yeah, this, he's right here. And, so, and, like, and Boston was like, oh, darn it. Nah, dude, in the Boston voice. Dang it! <laughs> ah, shoot! You found me! Fuzzle sticks! Uh, gosh darn it. What I wouldn't do for a little huff of mercury right now. So they took him back, and then he was, uh... He was exchanged in a prisoner exchange program about, uh... Like he a month later. A prisoner, like he got a job at a Dairy Queen. <laughs> no, he picked up litter on the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> but... Boston was out. He re-upped in the free military again. again. Well, sort of free if you're in the military. But there were lots of uh, moving parts happening around him. And next week... We'll get to that. We're going to get to that. We're going to cover a little bit of John Wilkes Booth. I'm going to cover his background for you. We're going to cover a little John Brown. We're going to cover a little Dred Scott. We're going to cover a little Bleeding Kansas. We're going to cover a little sassy, a little disturbed. Amen, brother. You might uh, you might even hear a little bit about uh, Senator Sumner getting beaten almost to death. There's plenty of things coming. Plenty uh, of things going. Please stick around. We got a couple of plugs. Uh, we got Patreon out. Like we, mm-hmm. we are men of our word. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patreon is up and running. You may subscribe to it if you should choose to do so. It's going to be patreon.com slash LSLD. And if we get to $100 a month, Ian has actually agreed to let me waterboard him yep. live. And I don't think he knows what that means. I'm I'm just going to hold my breath. He doesn't know what that means. Uh, (laughs) We're on Twitter. We actually have an update on the Twitter handle. You want to feed him that? Yeah, we are now at LSLD pod trying Mm -hmm. to get that brand recognition going, trying to get that cognitive. Synchronicity. 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 It's my show. Anyway, Ian's on Twitter at local dog napper. I'm on Twitter at I bash my bros. We don't have an Instagram because we're not artsy. Uh, what else we got? We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Play. We're on Google Play. You're welcome, Jamie. I just don't approve of the lifestyle, Jamie. Not that you're trans. It's the uh, it's the using Google Podcasts yep. that I don't approve of. Yeah. <laughs> Fix yourself. Be better. Figure it out. Anyway. What is this Google Play? Is this pronouns? Who's this fucking guy, Jesse Winky? It's my boy, Jesse Winky. What else we got? That's it? Yeah, I think so. That's it. Uh, Join th- us next week. Mm-hmm. Join us next week for part two of Boston Corbett. For the it's- exciting conclusion of the Boston Corbett saga. It's a Mad Hatter's World part two. Uh, it's please. a mad, 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 mad hatter. This world. guy is a fucking. Oof, he is a. He's a confused little fella. He's a few cards short of a full deck. That's a magic trick that I'd like to see. Talk about a mad. Well, hatter. he's not confused. I should take that back. He knows. He's he's actually very yeah, very confident and convinced that he knows what he's doing. Oh, anyway, so don't kill yourselves, please. I beg of you. As above, so below me. 
thank you for listening